Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hello. Ray is off today. He's Actually, Ray and I have something in common today. We both got called into work on our days off. The uh, difference for me is I've already worked my day. Ray has to be up at like oh dark hundred so unfortunately he will not be able to record with us tonight but uh we we both actually the exterminatus podcast team was actually all in one location at the same time earlier today which was craziness yeah yeah it was um although i was the bully because i'm a jerk because i'm an orc <laughs> we had a good game Actually, I learned a lot. Actually, it's just because uh, you, you, it's interesting. There's a lot of things about this game that you can math hammer or you know theory hammer all you want. It's kind of like being in a real that fight. You know, oh, I will dodge left, dodge right. The whole idea of being punched in the face <laughs> is you know until you experience it, you just don't realize how much it hurts and how disoriented it is, and those little things like that. So, yes, mm-hmm. uh, Robert and I got a game in today and um, had heard a lot. Actually, I had to say, if I had not been some getting some really good coaching on that type of list, it would have gone much, much worse. So I'm curious to hear it from your perspective. How do you think it went? Well, you were aware of the fact that if you orcs, specifically freebooters, they tend to act like a very starved, rabid animal. As soon as they can find something to chew on, they will chew it. In this case, is oh, I left a five-man squad of X thing exposed, and it's really weak. Well, it just got trampled by squigs, and now the entire army benefits from it. So the fact that you took a page out of um, our team member... Dan, with keeping as much stuff off the table as you possibly could. Made it so that way my first turn of me going first was a, was really mitigated because I didn't get to chew on all of the sensitive things. I was forced to sit there and chew on towels for like three turns. <laughs> Yeah, so that's something I, I had heard, you know, going through it, you know, just be prepared for that initial um, tsunami that hits you. Unfortunately, the, the other advice I got was is try to stop the ball from starting to get rolling. And yeah, there were one or two five-man units that just got, and gave you easily free booter points. And the ball started rolling. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that first turn, I know I picked up the rack squad fairly easily and then I cracked open a venom to leave some cobblies alive I left your mandrakes alone because chewing down your talus was more important than killing the mandrakes which in the long run I think was actually the wrong choice I should have put that docket at least half of that docket jet into your mandrakes I think it would have flipped the other way around. I would have gone after the Mandrakes first, as opposed to the Rack Squad, because the Mandrakes have to jump around the table to get me Rod, whereas the Racks were in a position to stand and hold objectives. It was more of a range issue at that point. That was the thing I was forgot to. I was going to ask you about is what is the range of that? Because the first thing caught me by surprise was, all right, here comes all my indirect fire. It was like, works of indirect fire. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, the squig buggies are obnoxious in the fact that their main gun, the heavy squig launcher, 
is 2d6 per buggy blast weapon at 36 inches with no line of sight needed. Okay, so it is. Yeah, I could have put put them in the deep corners and stuff. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, the only gun that is longer range than that, outside of the guns that the Stompa has, is the heavy lava off of the kill rigs, which is forty eight inches, half the number of shots, higher strength, less AP, and roams around on a Land Raider chassis. Just yeah, runs around. I mean, yeah, just rumbles along. So I was yeah, there were the the buggies were surprisingly more durable than I thought they were. I was thinking more of the previous codex, uh, so more like the trucks is what I thought they'd yeah. be like. I think I even mentioned I thought to be like a venom, you know, T six five five or six wounds or something like that. And you're like, all right, that brings them down to eleven wounds. So like, what? How many wounds does they have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the kill rig is something that you look at and you go. There's no way that's 16 wounds. Well, half of the wounds are probably just the squig pulling the yeah. goddamn thing. Now, the kill, kill rigs, though, I actually thought were more. I thought they were like knights. I thought they'd be like 28. But those, like the scrap jets and the squig buggies, I thought were like five or six wounds, kind of like chicken walkers. So when I, you know, when you're like, no, they're like nine, or I think they're 11 or something. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is not going to. And then you have Ramshackle, which is the minus one damage reduction. Um, Oh, though that became that's where I really just made him. That's where I like I made my mistake here. Uh, and you really need to focus on primary as opposed to trying to kill things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah the the one the the give me secondary against freebooter the freebooter vehicle list is yeah bring it down because I know in my current list I give up nineteen points of it. Yeah. So it's if you chew on the defcopters long enough. They'll they'll die really quickly. Obviously, the planes need to move around so you can easily like draw them out to see where they're going to go. But what after those three units, you're now dealing with two units that each have 27 wounds total and two kill rigs. So. It can be that's a lot of wounds and pretty decent toughness and and just stubbornness, yeah, <laughs> to deal with. Yeah, yeah, stubborn. That's a good way to describe it because it's because the other parts aren't like you. Like I didn't realize um, the Grots already have a minus one to combat attrition flat. So it was like, oh, that's a neat little roll. Totally missed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also the fact that Gretchen are not obsec. The, that's the one thing that when I initially built the list, I didn't realize because I was so used to having my billions of Gretchen just stand on an objective and go, ha 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 ha, this is my objective now. Yeah, I was shocked by that too. So I was like, was like cool. All right, learned something there. But uh, yeah, there was quite a few back holding objectives. I should have just gone after those with my speed instead. I was like, I must kill the stuff in my lines and like <laughs> bounce off of those. Oops. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it was uh, I did suffer the classic orc problem of one of my phases took entirely too long and I actually ran out of time on my half of the chess clock at the bottom of at the top of turn four. Which is interesting because one thing that hurt me pretty much every LVO, I want to say, probably except for the last one, is where I just decide, oh, 
It's turn five. It's game six or game five. We don't need a chess clock. We know what we're doing. And then you're like, all right, three hours later, we got to turn two. And I'm like, her, you suck. <laughs> you know, let's look at my opponent glaringly. And uh, so, yeah, it was, we both said we need to practice with the clock and get used to it. And um, so that was good to do that because I have, haven't played my list with the clock yet. And I was like, all right, you know, felt a little more comfortable with it. Yeah. The, the overall issue of my army against yours on time is your army has a lot less high volume of dice in single units outside of maybe your witches getting melee attacks. Um, whereas mine has variable number of shots I have to roll for. Yeah. And that can vary very widely. So it's like, uh, <laughs> I need to make this faster because scrap jets, they take about six and six or seven minutes on themselves to shoot. <laughs> and so the only th- I got so, so many guns that are D three shots, so many guns that are like D six shots. I was like, oh my! Several times you're just rolling and rolling. You're explaining, and I'm like, oh, oh, all right, no, don't save yet. Nope, nope not saves yet. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's just a that's a minor issue of the orc army is unless you're really apt in your shooting phase, and your opponent can make their saves really quickly. Then yeah, the the shooting phase can take forever. And I know the turn that I got into combat with stuff, and you were rolling your saves and stuff like that. Normally, if I knew if I thought the saves were going to take longer than a minute or two, I would have clicked it over to your time. But in the long run, it ended up not mattering. Yeah, it did. So no, it was a good game overall. So. Is that pretty much the list you're going to take to LVO, or are you still making some last-minute tweaks? Oh, no, that is the list I'm taking to the LVO, because that's the league. That's the list I'm using in our league. Yeah. So my, I'm very firm in my ways, and even what evil may come from chapter approved and points increases or decreases that exist, I will ride or die on my scrap jets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a rumor floating around that they will be seeing some significant point changes, so we'll see what happens, if that's true or not. Um, for me, yeah, it is a my league list, so I'll probably write it out, but I'm still... I love to tinker, and I had a, an other game earlier this uh, weekend, and widely different list. I played a addback list that was very similar to... I'm probably got the wrong player. I, I believe it's Richard Siegler who ran this type of list, but heavily Rust Stalker and Infiltrator focused, mm-hmm. and uh, with uh, Forge World Metallica backed up by two large blobs of Skatari Rangers and then a few smatterings of Vanguard. But uh, don't sleep on those because what happens is if you're a close assault army like me going against another close assault army and all of a sudden, oh, see this insignificant thing back here? You're minus one strength and minus one toughness because you're too close to it now. That adds up really fast with other stuff. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it was a... Um, yeah, they made some... Really just made some bad uh, decisions early on and I had to crawl myself back out of the hole. And... Um, Crawled back, but was still again couldn't get the win. But um, it was interesting. It was a very different from the typical 
I have my block, so Skatari, I'm going to blow you off the table. It was, it was, it was fast. And, um, you know, if, if you basically, if you can see the bottles here, it's already too late. They're going to chop into you. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I know in my time of, in my few games against Admech with um, our teammate Tim, the one game that we had against each other in a little RTT up in Flagstaff, um, it's a coin flip matchup. And this was one of the few times that the coin flip was actually wrong about who would win. Cause I went first and I did a good amount of damage to him, but in order for me to do that, I had to do some pretty risky things. And on his turn where he took the game back in his control, he got all my def copters and all my scrap jets. Mm. So it was a, uh, how do uh how does how do orc come back from this <laughs> and yeah no tim ran away with that game pretty effectively after that turn but um no nah, it's overall the the big thing that mattered was the fact that you sadly were not able to have as many units off the table as you wanted and then you realize that you could have done a stratagem to take a venom off the table afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So which could have saved you at least one snowball. Yeah. So give you an idea what happened. I had uh, of my there are eighteen units in my army. Eight of them were in reserve. Um, why not? You know, nine that exactly in half because it was one of those you know, getting the unit in question was a venom full of. Uh, warriors. Originally, I had them off, and I did a quick count, and I realized, nope, I got more than half. The problem was, is that Venom, there's a stratagem that if you have a transport within six inches of a table edge, you can pull it off and put it into reserves. So that's one thought I had. Um, the problem was, because that's one of those, once you killed the Venom, then he had a, you know, five Cabalite warriors that they'll open, is you know, just inviting to be shot. The other thought I had, and this is a Again, don't want to tweak the list too much right before the event. Uh, but uh, I've been running Blackheart, and I do like the reliability of getting that reroll, especially with uh, the Ravager, which I've been using in place of Trueborn. This still serves the same purpose. You know, lots of dark light weapons, a lot of heavy weapons. It's just significantly cheaper since the last points hike. And you get a free one free reroll per shooting you know, every time you roll the hit. Maybe switching to oh, let's blank on the name. Um, anyway, the one that gives you they have a stratagem where you can pull another three units into reserve. <laughs> um, that is that potentially Obsidian Rose? Yeah, that's, uh, no, that's the extended range and the reroll of the wound. Oh, what is the name of it? Everybody's like screaming at me on the internet right now. <laughs> it's the green ones. I know the one with the snake in. <laughs> Ah, I struggle. Oh, poison tongue? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> poison tongue. So poison tongue gives you um, all your poison weapons now are plus uh, plus one to wound. Well, they wound on a three plus. It's not that's the more accurate, and they have that stratagem where I can move up it. So all I could have pulled, I could actually deploy three venoms and then spend two command points and move all three venoms off the table. And even though the guys inside are not poison tongue, the the, the venom transports pulls them off. Mm. That's right. Your transports don't suffer the same things that um my 
orc trucks do because my orc trucks can only carry clan infantry and or specialist boys like truck boys right uh so that would have been fun to do and then i know what everybody's thinking i did the same thing that was the thing i've learned the last two games a lot oh well now you've got all your army in reserves on strategic reserves we're just going to especially a larger footprint army like orcs i'm just going to screen out the sides and your army will never come back in you're right uh it was (laughs) i had to pinpoint a thin corner to get my uh rod there in that one quarter i think it was yeah for the mandrakes yeah <laughs> but um I, what i did i learned the game the previous game with ad back i did i was like i'm gonna double down on this and see if this works against robert because i know he's gonna be in my deployment zone trying to beat my head in and it worked perfectly that or part of at least the plan worked perfectly is oh <laughs> i deploy from strategic reverse my own t- table edge <laughs> and i don't have to be as long as i'm within an inch of the table edge i don't have to worry about being more than nine inches away from you <laughs> yeah that that unit of storm boys learned real quickly that <laughs> deploying right there and looking at all the action directly um usually meets a very swift end in the gladiator pits so that worked well. The scrap jets, that's where I found out they were a little more resilient than I thought they were. Probably should have done a better job of going after softer targets and take away objectives. But anyway, the whole strategy did, you know, the concept worked. Just the execution target priority was pretty poor. But, yeah. And the 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 overly effective overwatch onto your Hellions <laughs> kind of helped. Yeah, it did. He wiped out seven of my eight Hellions in, in Overwatch. I was like, oh, I'm shocked. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then it made up for it by me failing a nine-inch charge, re-roll, nine-inch re-rollable charge on three dice. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> yeah. Had the entire ramming speed combo set up and just kind of flubbed. So I was like, well... <laughs> Ouch. Probably the one thing I'm still torn on from both games is, is it worth it to drop the set? I have one unit of three Talos, one unit of two Talos. Drop the two-man Talos and use that point, those those points to bulk up the rack squads to full 10-man squads. And then maybe even uh, upgrade one of them to the specialist one, so they get the plus one save, plus and uh, ignore the first uh, failed save every turn. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the hexamites or yeah, what? Yeah, a box of lights. <laughs> um, that'd be a better que- that'd be a better question for asking someone who's a little more versed in Dark Eldar and that kind of tuning choice, because your Talos existed for freaking ever. <laughs> Yeah, that was by design too with the with the Immaculus. Like everybody gives me crap about you know, the for Admet game. We had a um, bit of a uh, let's say a peanut gallery. I don't know if people know that reference anymore, but basically we had some spectators. And they're like, "Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that?" And everybody was an expert, and I was like, "I gave the guy. He basically has the Wooler trait, Mastery Generous. So every time he heals a unit, it's." I don't have to roll D3. It's an automatic three wounds. So, yeah. He sustains there next to basically the Corpse Thief Claw. So it's five Talos he's surrounded by. I'm like, who's hurt? You're fixed for three wounds. And, uh, yeah, one Talos, I think you probably took 11, uh, probably nine wounds off of that thing over the course of the game before it died. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the big thing is, is that 
the fact that I was able to get my war boss in and around your cobblites to get into your homunculus. Sure, I let him die to your succubus, <laughs> but the <clears throat> well, not your succubus, your archon. Uh, I keep on forgetting it's an archon. You just use the female magus <laughs> model from Gene Stealer Cult. It throws me off all the time. Um, but no, I because my war boss was able to get out and around to get to your homunculus and just paste him with nine power claw attacks. <laughs> um, the that. So at that point, your Talos would have been T6, right? Uh, T7. Ah, okay, so they're always naturally T7. Yeah, uh, they're T6, and then, yeah, that was the problem. They're T6 naturally. If I, if I keep him alive somehow, they go to T7. So that's... Okay, so after the fact that I had killed him, your Talos would have gone to T6. Right. Okay, because I was still rolling them as T7s. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, it didn't matter what I was putting into them because it was mainly like a last cannon and missiles, which were all wounding on threes regardless. Yes, because that's why. <laughs> yeah, they were still hitting the right numbers. So, okay. So that's where I'm like, oh, that's good to know just in case yeah. something else comes up. So that's the other thing I'm looking at points. If I don't have the points for the Homoxalites, is it worth the points to upgrade the uh, Homoculus to the whatever the Master Homoculus is? The fancy name for that is because they have a. Uh, Oh, did you kill him? On a two plus, they come back alive. <laughs> yeah, the spooky re-resurrecting homunculus just blah. yeah. So I think that might be worth it. So I got to figure out where to find the points for that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, no, you. It was a really tight game. I'm disappointed in myself in running out of time. But that was also just a. I don't know what made me lose time. Yeah, and... we weren't jibber jabbering at all, you know, and that with all the other activity going on around us, we were pretty focused on the game. So, yeah, I, I think it might have also been just the overall um, hemming and hawing of target priority on some things, like splitting shots and stuff. But otherwise, that's really the only thing I could keep, could really think of that took away time from myself along with um, just keeping track of the scores. Right. Um, otherwise, no, it was a really solid game, yep. and it was definitely good practice for you for kind of expecting what orcs are going to yeah. throw in your face mm-hmm. if you ever if you get paired into them. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. So if you are listening to this and thinking, yeah, I've got a game coming up this Friday and I got all the time in the world, uh, you may have got a little uh, reminder from Best Coast Pairings today. Uh, what key date would that be, Robert? <laughs> oh, I don't know. The 17th, next Monday. Yeah, so we from, uh, we're from recording today on Monday. So by the time you're hearing about this, you probably have four days to finalize your list and upload it into Best Coast Pairings if you're attending Las Vegas Open. Otherwise, you will suffer a yellow card before the tournament starts. So yes, your list will be due 
uh, a week from today. So Monday the 17th, you must be uploaded in the correct format. So. Yep. Which I did this afternoon. Good. Cause I was about to ask you, what is the right format? Is it chat text or how do you output um, that in Battlescribe? So the, the copy and paste from Battlescribe. I usually do it as email text. Email text. Because I, I remember one year I tried to do it by uh, from, from scratch, you know, like the code. I was like, this is mm-hmm. taking forever. Screw this. And um, I remember one time, my first time I uploaded it using Balascribe, it was, I got, uh, I got credit for being on time, but it was wrong format and I had to fix it. I was like, oh, I don't understand what's wrong with this. <laughs> yeah, like it was, I know it was a big thing for a while where there was like, um, like in order to make it a legal format, you had to like delete a comma somewhere and and do something else. But I'm like, I've never had an issue. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, I probably just picked the wrong output. But there you go. So it is possible to do it from Mescal's pairings. I've not successfully done it with the Warhammer app simply because I've not successfully built my army in the Warhammer app. <laughs> yeah, I've not even tried to. I didn't even try to build the mess of the orc army <laughs> in in the Warhammer. I'm like, nah, nah. That, that's it's a, a shame because there's on the surface, it's you know, there's the bones are really good. So I hope they get a chance to fix it sometime soon. But it was just like dumb stuff. Like like, all right, let me add this five point piece of war gear, and like my list is twenty points over. Oh, did I miss something up? No, for some reason when you click. The button says it's a five-point war gear. It added 25 points to my list. It's like, what the hell is this? And uh, in certain, uh, getting to certain areas were really uh, difficult. Uh, you know, certain combos that are in the RB itself. And I was like, or, uh, the biggest one I remember at that time when I, was, I finally gave up on it from a Chikari standpoint, making Drizar your warlord was like impossible. Yeah, because it does. He he has like the same um, blade for hire stuff like that for incubi and stuff too, right? He does, and he also has a set warlord trait, so this should be pretty straightforward. They're like, nope, can't give him warlord trait. I'm like, but he's my warlord. Uh, it was just anyway. There were. I hope they get that fixed. Um, I also hope they bring back the assault dice uh, app somehow. Yeah, that would um, make my job rolling that much faster. But at the same time, there is just a feeling of looking looking at your opponent's face while you hold 66 dice in your hand and going, this is from a single unit. <laughs> so he's not wrong. Robert has this cup. It looks like something that like a junkie drinks coffee out of. And he just rattles it. And you just like, <laughs> you hear the, the, the sound of 90 dice rattling at once. You're like, oh. It's coming mm-hmm. as they bounce across the table. You're like, ah! <laughs> you yeah, no, I, I, I still remember that first roll of the 60 twin big shooters. And I'm just like pulling the cup away. I'm like, wait a minute, something's still rattling in there. And one, the last two dice are just Wee! like a solid foot and a half off the table. Just bump. Oh my God. So the other thing that keep in mind, and I hate to be a Debbie Downer about this, but I just got a notification. It's also affecting my uh, fantasy sports. Uh, my other hobby outside of Warhammer uh, is COVID still out there. So uh, you will be expected to wear a mask. That is the Clark County uh, policy right now. So for LVO, that is the 
local mandate that you are required to wear a mask throughout the uh, in indoor area. But I'll be really curious to see as we get closer to that magic date of the 17th, who's actually going to LVO versus who signed up for LVO. Simply because I'm really questioning how much international travel um, we're going to be able to see and how many local players are going to be like, yeah, I would normally go, but I only got a couple of tournaments in. It's, you know, I'm, I'm really not in the running for anything. The heck with it, you know, with the COVID spike. Yeah, like um, I know on my initial scan of making sure all the Smite Club members were in there, I stopped counting when I got to like M because I couldn't remember everyone's name. I'm like, okay, I'll worry about this later. Um, when I hit the J's, um, our acquaintance Jim Vessel is still in holding of a ticket to come down here, and I know all of the travel from Canada and stuff like that, they're super strict yeah. about everything. Yeah. So I think I mentioned that three or four episodes ago. So my cousin who's actually from Europe is doing an exchange program was in Vancouver for, for the school year. And rather than spending Christmas with these weird strangers, she came to visit us here in the States for the holidays. She's still here. Because she tested positive, so we had to wait for that to clear up before she could cross the border. So the good news is you don't have to pay for a hotel or anything like that. It, um, we've been able to get her the testing she needs and all that sort of stuff. But a um, bit of a you know <laughs> chink in your plans that you've been here an extra 10 days. <laughs> it's one thing for you know holidays and spending time with family. It's another thing for a Warhammer tournament that explained to your boss, yeah, I'm going to be gone another week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm after LVO. I know for a fact I'm doing like an entire week and a half of I'm only going to work. I'm getting tested twice a week for this stuff. I am making sure that I come home clean. If I do not come home clean, then I knew the risks going in. Even though I'm vaccinated, I knew it could still happen. Yeah. And that's been the weird part about this variant. Um, you're, there's still a good chance, even with the vaccination, that you'll get, uh, um, what's the word, inflicted? I don't know, whatever. Become positive. The good, infected. Infected, yes. yes bad. Uh, the good news so far has been it's been not nearly as strong as other variants. And the vaccine also helps uh, keep a lot of it at bay. And so it seems to be a pretty short lifespan if you do get it. Yeah, and in general, that's why I'm very much a. I'm going to go because this is my first LVO. I've missed the last two. I am not missing this one. I know what I am risking. But anyway, we're here to talk about Warhammer and not talk about COVID protocols. Yeah, no. It is unfortunately part of it. The reason I brought it up is yeah, I was like excited. Um, look at my fantasy team for I play up. Uh, Fantasy football just wrapped up for us. Fantasy hockey, I'm finally giving it my full attention. And three of my players are not going to play because the game was canceled due to COVID precautions. And it's just really frustrating because if an individual player gets COVID, I'm allowed to make a mid-week shift. But if the whole team just loses a game, the idea is that, well, the game will be made up later in the year and you'll get a bonus game. So uh, it's kind of stinks that, within Warhammer terms, 
before the game, roll the dice. If you roll a one, that unit isn't available for this game. So you may be playing mm-hmm. like one detachment light. Like, oh, great. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it, it'll definitely be an apparent thing of if the numbers are bad enough and people are worried enough, the attrition will be higher this year than it probably has been for other LVOs. But people are still going to go. I'd be curious to see what the final headcount will be because this might be the first time we see a LVO where they have fewer attendees than the previous year. Mm-hmm. So I guess, so that, I mean, at the end of the day, some people have kind of said it, and I think it's ridiculous, but, you know, do we need to put an asterisk next to this, you know, because of everything going on that all the best players are going? Like, it's still going to be, in, it, at worst, it's still going to be 700 players. <laughs> if you win a 700-player event, <laughs> no yeah. asterisk required. <laughs> yeah, like the, like I know the, the debacle for um, the LVO in 2020, the um, it was either that one or the one for 2019 where everyone who won the awards for like best in faction and stuff, it wasn't super celebrated because like there were no tournaments played that year or whatever. So it was just like, eh? Uh, must be, yeah, I'm trying because 2020 was the year of the... Uh... The PCP app crashing again. Uh, then it was the um, LVO for 2021, the Las Vegas Nopen. The Nopen, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's uh, what you thought. I was like, eh, wait a minute. Yeah, the no, yeah, the 2021 was the the Iron Hand scourge, and uh, but the but the bigger thing was round three might be a little delayed. Hope you didn't make dinner plans. Yeah, yeah. So. Which would be interesting. New venue. See if PCP is able to uh, shore things up. It's from when they were on with our show uh, previously, it sounds like they're ready to go. But uh, we'll see what happens. So we'll be excited to see how that mm-hmm. comes down. Yep, I'm probably going to invest in a long life portable charger because the ITC Bowels app kills my phone yeah, on a regular basis. Holy cow! Yeah, I want to know what that thing does. Oh my god! I might have to do pen and paper just for the tournament. Sort of like a dry erase board or something. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. But the other big thing we talked about was, okay, the new rules cut off uh, would have to be any rules that, um, that come out after the 15th, which is this Saturday, um, are illegal. Uh, they will not be used in this event, as well as any uh, point changes and any new missions that may be uh, released. We will be ending the season with the 2021 mission pack. So guess what's coming out the saddest that Saturday? Which two codices, Robert? <laughs> oh, you know, the flim flam weak three armed people, the, the Gene Steeler cult guys, and then the most amazing golden boys ever, the perfect soldiers. The I, I'm totally over exaggerating this, but the adept is custodes. Yeah, always unbiased reporting here at the Extended Last Podcast. So yes, uh both co- codices will be tournament legal. So funny, actually one of our teammates was like, Oh, my codex is coming out in time for LVO. That stinks. I have to learn my army in a week. Because they are saying you must use the new codex. You don't have the option to go back to the eighth edition one. Yeah, which um if my orcs weren't as far painted as they are right now, 
I would be sending emergency emails to all the LVO judges and be going, I want clarification that I can use my Constantine Valdor <laughs> as Trajan. <laughs> <laughs> but because my custodes are completely painted and completely based, I would have no problem going to LVO. But alas, I am not comfortable knowing an army for only a week. No. So, uh, so anyway, so be curious to see who brings us in because let's get into it. Uh, those two books have a lot to offer, and uh, especially Custodes being the ultimate travel army, um, almost as good as knights. It's definitely would be a popular tournament army. Yeah, like um, the the review that Goonhammer did, pure perfection. Because they super detailed in all the important bits and explaining everything from their from their test books that they got. Um, now, obviously, they're not showing images of the books themselves directly on the thing because that'd be a big no no. But the um, their explanation into how the rules work is very very clear. There's no misinterpretations of things and it's very detailed the i i will continue to say de- detailed because that's the description of custodes um but no the the big thing is that it is completely different play style than how they originally were and the fact that you're more flexible in your playing whereas the old book is very one note we are just hard to kill, and we continue walking forward. Interesting. Okay. I was when I yeah when I think it was one of with custodes was they're hard to kill, and they got a ton of shots for only three models, but it's still yeah. only three models. <laughs> so, um, I will say this right now: I am very sad, but everyone else will be happy. They did admit that some stratagems were gone that caused problems. AKA stooping dive no longer exists. So our famed three command point stratagem of we send a bike unit in at the end of the charge phase and it immediately fights. We no longer get to do that. What about the old tangle foot grenade nonsense? Oh, that's still here. Oh, great. Okay. But it can only be used once per turn though. So I can't sit there and lock up a unit of terminators if I roll really high. Hmm. Okay. So you get some play out of it. Interesting. All right. And here's one thing a friend of mine was asking. So asking for a friend. Does the codex play by itself, or do you still have to rely on the forge units to make this army go? Um, well, it's from the little bit that I was able to see from one video from... A YouTube channel that only used units from the codex. It can play on its own from the codex, it, but at that point you're forcing yourself to bring um, multiple units of the same kind that don't serve any extra purposes. So, like, you would have to bring instead of bringing something like a Cleus Grav tank for your long range, high damage shooting you would have to bring something like two units of 
Virtus Praetors, the bikes, and have those be your dedicated high damage because praise be their melta missiles went to D3 plus 3 damage. Hmm. That's some scary stuff there. Alright. But um, otherwise, they they did change it around so that way it it wasn't obsec the army anymore because only infantry are now obsec. Oh, okay. That's a big change. Um, the other the other addition to that is every custode body counts as two bodies on an objective. That is a big change too. All right. So a minimum squad of custodian, regular custodians, um, is six models. So you can't just lose it to um, a five man or four man obsec squad anymore. Interesting. And they're obsec too. From there. Okay. Yeah. The um. And then the the big thing that is mentioned in the Goonhammer article is. Because the Forge World Compendium was written before this book came out, a lot of the stuff like Venatari and, well, just Venatari, because Venatari are important. Sagittarium are great. They're my favorite unit. But they don't have the Marshall Kata keywords. They don't have the core keywords. They don't have all the important stuff that's supposed to tie into that book. Hmm. So there may or may not be a hot fix for them in the future where they add the core keyword to certain things. I'm being hopeful. Um, some other people that I know are like, no, you, that's all you get. You don't get any extra stamps. <laughs> and I'm just like, but then it completely, it, it, it eliminates the entire Forge World line outside of maybe Dreadnoughts from being used. Uh, into maximum optimization. I mean, Venatari in Dreadhost have like three hits per six of their bullets because their pistols already count as two hits on sixes. And then the Dreadhost says, oh, every time you roll a six, it's one additional hit. Oh, God. Okay. So they have true Tesla weapons. Okay. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament you can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out they're sturdy the boxes help protect your models and if you when you order they come fast the order is right and for a better price than the other guy so go to krcases.com and when you place your order be sure to mention the exterminators podcast now, on the flip side, interesting one thing they did share in the Gene Sealer Cult review is also how well it was written in terms of clarity of rules. So I, I, I kind of go back to the statement that every codex has already been written. It's just a matter of when they're coming out. 
I kind of wonder if that's really true because if these were so well written, what the heck happened with the previous codices? <laughs> yeah, because like um, I know when you compare how I, I know in the Gene Stealer cult explanations for stuff like Crossfire and Exposed, the effects get really wordy, but they're really wordy for a reason because they need to clearly imply how the thing triggers and how the conditions are met. Because if crossfire was just something, oh, you have to hit someone five times to get crossfire without explaining it has to be with damage one weapons, then, okay, I'm going to hit you with a flamer automatically for five times or whatever. And then the, um, the exposed thing for like plus one to wound. Okay. I can draw a line all the way over there and all this other like stuff that actually needs to be detailed for it to be a clearly defined rule. Interesting. So a couple of key things that stood out for me for the Gene Sealer cult, just from I'm, I'm not, a, I've always been intrigued by the Gene Sealer cult because I like the whole idea of a guerrilla army. Uh, I just never got into the whole that in the end of the day, your army will be eaten by Tyranids. I was like, oh, oh okay. But um, so they, they, their blips are back. They, you don't get as many fake blips as you did in the past, but uh, blips are back. So you're not deploying until at the very least your opponent's uh, end of the, your opponent's movement phase. I thought was interesting. And you're still move blocking because they still at this point count as a unit. So you can't, uh, end up in engagement range with a blip. So I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, because um, I thought the one rule that they kept for the blips was the um, you can't land outside of not you can't land within nine of the blips. Uh, I think yeah. I thought that was a rule they kept. Yes, and there's another. Okay, so, there's another way of also. I, I I might be misquoting here. You can't fly over blips, so you like even your planes are blocked somehow. Yeah. I, the because the the original thing that people would do with the blips in the current meta anyway, you bring a small detachment of GSE and you kind of line them all up with where the flyer anger the flyer angles kind of have to go for like filling in where your enemy would try to land. Because mm-hmm. then that leaves your opponent two options: either you fly really short and can't get to what you want to shoot at. Or you have to fly so far that you fly off the table. Right. And your plane doesn't even get to shoot. So that's that was the original move block thing that people are doing this edition with it. And the fact that you can still do that, I think, is a huge plus and also helps us shove away from having flyers as a staple in most in some army lists. The other thing I thought was really nice to see was they cleaned up a lot of the Brood Brother rules. One thing that drove me nuts is, here's a codex, but you can take Imperial Guard too. And I was like, oh my god. And it just, and just felt like it was way too many options in terms of what you could take in. So they definitely cleaned up a lot of the what you can take from Brood bro- uh, Brothers um, from the Imperial Guard. Yes, you can take certain items, but you know things like tank aces and even scions are uh, 
apparently not going to fall to the uh, three-armed emperor or four-armed emperor. So, so, so it, it lets you only take um, the basic bones units kind of deal. Right. No more than half, I believe, or something like that. No more than one detachment, something like that. They got some sort of restriction, someone to cultists. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, that is... It's a nice balance thing because, yeah, you bring four units of Brood Brothers to fill out a detachment, and then your other four or five units are stuff like, oh, here's Ridge Runner, here's Aberrants, here's another Ridge Runner, here's this thingy, <laughs> and all of them are non-infantry. So, uh, so yeah, it was interesting as I'm going through, you know, what's changed, what's new, what's not new. And the first thing I thought of, okay, if this is going to be legal for LVL, and it kind of applies to both armies, nothing really radical changed. I think it's still the armies play, well, you kind of said uh, uh, custodes and less of a march forward and kill what's in our path. They have a little more flexibility. But for the most part, you're not like, oh, I have all the wrong units. I have to buy a whole new army compared to what I had last edition. Yeah, the only thing that I admittedly couldn't remember if I had was a shield captain in Terminator armor. <laughs> so I had to buy a box of Loris Terminators and realizing, oh, what if I want five more Loris Terminators? So I bought a second box. And now I also have another box of regular custodians. So that way I can make another regular shield captain and another unit of four custodians. It's more of just adding on so that way I have more choices and they're, none of them are wrong. That's a pretty nice feeling. That's I love good codices like that. That's to me that there are no wrong choices. It's just, you know, put the best army that fits your needs on the table. So, yeah. And the fact that I already have a painted banner means I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious to see, uh, you know, I actually will anticipate that we will see quite a few of these armies because that was, I remember back in 2020, the last time we had an in-person LVO, Gene Sealer Cult was hot off a big win in at Adepticon, which was a, you know, a ton of rock saws and all that. They have all been lumped together into an industrial weapons keyword, which get all kinds of crazy buffs. So I was like, uh-oh. So I have a feeling if you still have that Gene Sealer Cult army, you may have time to dust it off in a week's time to be able to play it. Yeah, which would be nice to see. And then obviously um, they can still be mixed into... They can still be mixed with Tyranids, I believe, because I haven't read into their review very much because obviously I haven't been interested in them. But then at that point you do end up having the... oh. You mix armies, you lose out on your secondaries, though. You also lose out on one of the abilities that I can't remember if it's the crossfire ability or it's it's one of their abilities that they do lose out on, and it does become significant. So mm -hmm. uh, let's see if I can find that so I don't misquote it. But um, so yes, you can still bring in um, you know their full size bugs. Which would be interesting to, to <laughs> if you could, what's the um, Crusher Stampede? Crusher Stampede. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be a, um, 
that would be an interesting thing um, to see if the army renowned stuff would ever be broken by this kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure it would, but because like, I know the army of renown for uh, orcs only says you can play these things and not bring anything else in. But I mean, orcs don't have allies anyway. So there it is. So um, if they have, if every model in your army is the same, Oh, oh excuse me. Uh, every army in your attachment, take that back. And there are no more exclusions at this point. You get the cult creed with all the additional war- rules. If your army contains a patriarch, it has to be the uh, warlord. And uh, which kind of like, well, no surprise there. And um, that they still got the character requ- uh, requirements that you can only have so many of them. But here we go, army-wide rules. Um, Uh, the cult ambush. So yeah, all the the blips and being able to put things in the deep st- their deep strike. So if you have bringing the um, tyrannids, yeah, you lose your blips. Looks like. Okay, so at least it at least makes it so that way that if you're doing a a scene of the tyrannids have already landed, the the cult isn't going to be hidden anymore because now they're saviors and eventually devourers yep. have landed on the planet. So, And then apparently the guys that are deep striking, for lack of a better term, uh, they can get within 8 inches rather than 9, and then there's some cases you can get as close as 6 inches away. And so that hasn't gotten, that hasn't changed uh, much. The big thing is if you're within 6, I don't, uh, you may not charge when you come in. So, Yeah, and that's a, that's a big thing because um, in the one game that I watched that actually happened where the the player with the gene stealer cult brought in a unit of pure strange gene stealers and ha- <clears throat> had to put them at the eight inch distance so that way they could actually charge into a unit of custodians and they made it they only killed one custodian though mm. um but that was because of the fact of just some pretty pretty sour rolls and the um the custodes player was playing shadow keepers which one of their traits is incredibly dumb because it is i believe it is just overall minus one attack Mm. when you're within engagement range of any custodian unit that has the shield host trait Well, that can always still add up as time progresses. Yeah, yeah, it can. Um, it is definitely a really strong thing against small units with a lot of attacks. But when you deal with something like, um, like let's say your witches, who a unit of five gets 21 attacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you subtract five, that's still 16 attacks. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, but if you look at something like, I'm trying to think about like a a heavy hitter like that has three attacks but that are uh, maybe like strength eight. All of a sudden, oh, no, you're down to two attacks. That's, you know, that you start seeing that you're already minus one because it's a heavy weapon type thing. That, that could add up pretty good. Um, Like a Vanguard Vets, yeah. if you gave them Thunder Hammers. Yeah, that's, I think it's something like that. So, or even like um, Blade Guard Veterans. So, those are. Yeah, and the, um, 
like the the one shield host for custodes that really stands out from for a lot of people is um one that was not really used before and that's the emperor's chosen the emperor's chosen in like i don't even remember what it did in the war of the spider because i never saw it pop up anywhere um the emperor's chosen does a sal- does a salamander reroll of one hit or one to wound every time it attacks and then the second trait is they have a four up feel no pain to mortal wounds did you say a four up a, yep a four up feel no pain to any and all mortal wounds ew smite that <laughs> And the thing is, is that the shield host traits, these are the things that are army-wide. They don't care what um, battlefield role you are. So this 4-up field no plane applies to dreadnoughts. Uh, And it can also apply to Trajan. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to try the Custodes book after LVO and after the League because I loved playing Custodes so much before I picked up Orcs again, and I'm just like, I need I, I need to do things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so our LVO tip for this year, uh, for this week, I should say, is uh, get your list in by uh, <laughs> by Monday. And start reading some of these reviews because, yes, Genes of the Cult and Custodes are live for the event. Yep. And for, I, I know the overall meta is still going to be Dark Eldar orcs and probably Admech or Grey Knights. So keep, just try to read up on those three or four armies if you're worried about actually being in a winning position but otherwise it is good to read up on new armies so that way not as many things catch you in a in a surprise yep and then the other thing so not to catch you in a surprise but also have your wallet ready uh another tip for the lvo which was announced earlier this week is that the although we're not gonna be playing with the packet the 2022 uh mission packet not only will there be possibly on sale, but one thing that will be on sale is the secondaries that in card form, you may have seen those at the U.S. Open when they were doing live streaming of the event. They had cards for each of the secondaries, made it much easier to keep track of things. They, for some other reason, only have a limited supply. I don't know what that means. Limited could mean we only have 5,000 copies. could mean they have four. I don't know. But they said very clearly that it would be a limited copy. So if you want these cards... Uh, run, don't walk to the uh, GW booth and make sure you grab them. Yeah, if if you are going to go buy these things, you will need to wake up even earlier than you think you have to. You are going to have to carry your army on your back to not be slowed down by the floor drag to get up and get these things. Or if you're lucky enough and it happens to open up the vendor hall on Thursday, you might be able to buy them then. Yep. The other thing that seems like they're doing too is uh, putting a bigger restriction on open play. 
before the halls were so big that if you want to get a practice game, just kind of muck around the terrain a little bit, get a feel for things, maybe shake off some rust, uh, you could probably get one or two games in and no one would care. Apparently that is not the case this year, just the way the hall is set up and keeping things secure. So um, that being said, I've heard crazy stories of uh, some more veteran players trying to get some practice games in their hotel room. So that might be, <laughs> might be seeing more of that moving forward. I mean, to be honest, if my terrain ever gets released from customs, I could have thought about doing that. So we'll see if that comes in. So, and then there's, everybody's like freaking out about this. There was this weird statement that was made that Games Workshop, being that they'll be coming, will be bringing some of their event terrain. So everybody's like, oh my God, I got to keep track of two different terrain types, the US Open type and the FLG type. I, you know, it's one of those, they might be using their GW terrain on stream, but for the most part, they still have all the, the FLG had brought their terrain set up for the event. <laughs> there's a, I don't think there's going to be that much of the GW terrain lying around. So, yeah, I know for the stream, which I'm, this is a weird thing, but I actually want to be on stream for one game. Um, I'm pretty sure the GW terrain is going to be only for the stream table. Yeah. Or stream tables to be a, like an aesthetic thing. Cause otherwise we've all seen the FLG terrain. So it, it'll just diversify things a little bit. And last little bit of rumor regarding GW and events and all that. I just want to clarify it cause it was clarified, but I don't know how many people actually saw it. Cause it was um, something kind of deep in a, Facebook page or something like that. Uh, there was a recent posting for a job, and a, yeah, pull my phone out actually, so I read it correctly. So I want to make sure we get fair and factual, even though we put down jeans to their cults earlier. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> so the event, the uh, job title is North American Events Organizer. You have 18 days as of this uh, recording to apply for the job. And the North American event organizer will be required to engage with the North American Warhammer community, uh, basically run the events. And everybody started freaking out. Oh, my God. Did Mike Brandt leave the company? No, he actually got promoted. Uh, this would be somebody reporting to Mike Brandt. So uh, he's still in charge of events. This is simply the person who's required to take care of the North American events. So... So if you think you're up for the job, you need to show that you can collaborate with multiple senior GW event staff, uh, have uh, experience running organized play events, as well as understanding uh, the overall global event strategy. So, Dang. As soon as you said, like, experience running organized events, I went, I know how to run card games. <laughs> So let's see what we got here. Bachelor's degree, five to 10 years experience in event management, highly organized and detail-oriented experience running organized plays on at least a volunteer basis is preferred. Experience in Kaizen and extreme ownership philosophies is a plus. Customer-first focus, knowledge and experience of gaming and sports tournament philosophy, excellent time management, commitment to inclusive welcoming environment, and blah, 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 the usual stuff, you know, 
must be able to lift 50 pounds, all that fun stuff. You have in July until January 25th to apply for this position. So if you're interested, good luck. Oh, I wish I could, but I don't have the experience necessary. So anything else to throw in there, uh, Robert? No, no, not today. Not today. Yeah. Next week, once we have the list in, we're going to dive deep into what the breakdown uh, by faction, look at what some of the top players are bringing for lists. As by the time we will be recording, your list will be locked in place or gradually being locked in in place. And uh, so we have a good idea of what's going on. In terms of the standings for the ITC Top 25, check out our Facebook page. We have posted that there. The key thing to keep in mind is uh, the big wild card for going to LVO. Richard Siegler, he has been undefeated in the GW Open events, and he only has five events this going into LVL. So all his points he would get from the event will go directly to his total, whereas most of the top players are only uh, going to have to improve on their top six scores. So there isn't a lot of wiggle room. Matter of fact, usually the top five they have, I did some calculation, we're estimating they can only improve their score by about 40 to 50 points. So realistically, anybody south of sixth place has a very difficult time uh, overtaking the top players. Of course, that major wild card, who's actually going to the event and bringing up that nasty COVID situation. There might be some top players who aren't able to make the trip. And then it was also mentioned on another podcast, they may have all intentions of coming and then the airline screws them over <laughs> since there seems to be a lot of yeah. airline trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... The fact that Manny Chima is in fourth place right now, I know he has to fly over from the UK. Right. So he might have some trouble. I'm not sure if Malik is coming. He, uh, he don't believe he's been to previous events, so he may not be coming. Uh, a lot of those guys from the East Coast, um, all the guys coming from Florida, from Art of War. Uh, Sean Ains coming from the Northeast. It's uh, plagued with quite a bit of storms lately. Will they make it? I don't know. So uh, lots of variables going into it, and we could see another Logan Heath type uh, jumping into the top eight. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if by some stroke of luck, some Timmy nobody dodges all of the players and they all don't show up. <laughs> you know, it's happened before, you know, where, and that's what I'm saying is, you know, Logan did, you know, he's the guy who tabled Sean Naden on turn one with orcs. And, you know, you, you may get one of those, you know, they all dodge the players. You get a couple, you know, favorable scores to get all the tiebreakers where they need to be. Or you just, you know, you kind of sneak into the shadow round and you put together the three best games of your life to get into the, in the finals. Who knows? You know, it it all can happen, and that's what's probably the most exciting thing about our sport. You don't need to be six foot something to be competitive. Any size, shape, and you put the hobby time in, you can win this game. So, yep. And I, I know maybe there'll be one year where it's my year. I don't know. That's a that's a long shot, yeah. but yeah, for me being an old fart. Um, what I look forward to it is unlike my sports career, which I know no matter how hard I work, <laughs> it ain't going to happen again uh, with Warhammer. Okay. I can get back into this and uh, I don't think it'll happen by <laughs> LVO this year, but you know, I'm already looking towards the 2022 season and say, okay, what can I do to get back to or that level where I used to be at? So, <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So with that kind of news, uh, any other additional updates or you know breaking, we'll see them on our Facebook page. We'll be back next week with more in-depth review. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast.